Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Well, my 16th birthday was pretty sweet because I had saved up enough money to buy a brand new Kawasaki 175 Enduro motorcycle, of course. And of course. Uh, I was able to, to buy it on my 16th birthday and I couldn't get it until then. I had to wait. So learned some good things. Got what I wanted. That is amazing. I just see you toting around Sheboygan yeah. in your leather ja- your letterman's jacket on the motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, All man. that and a bag of chips right Cruising there. Cruising Main Street <laughs> was a big thing in Sheboygan. It, nice. Which, which I'm sure that there wasn't really a... Was there a cruising place in your L.A.? Nope. So well, Cal? I mean, like Westwood is very much a cruising place, but... That's a little different than Sheboygan. Yeah, a lot different. <laughs> Our backgrounds are polar opposites. <laughs> yeah. Well, for my kid's 16th birthday, we did something really, really big, really special. So birthdays at our house, it's usually the whole family gathers together and there's a meal that they want to have, you know, that mom cooks and, and I make a birthday cake and we're all together, that sort of thing. But for the 16th birthday, this was like a coming of age kind of a birthday. So instead of celebrating with everyone, we had a special evening where we took the birthday boy or girl out to a special dinner just with mom and dad, very adultish, right? You know, on your 16th birthday. And we had very expensive gifts. We went way above and beyond what we would normally spend on a birthday on their 16th birthday. And the girls got rings with their birthstone in it. And this wasn't a purity ring. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose was to remind them of who they are because we behave out of our identity, right? So the ring was to say, this is who you are. You belong to God. That's cool. Man, if I'd have grown up in your family, you probably would have you probably would have bought me the motorcycle. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have had I to I don't s- know about the motorcycle. Okay. But so we've got three girls, but for our son, we're like, ah, he's not going to want a ring, so we talked about what to get him and decided on getting him a compass. Not just like a a plastic trinket, but a very nice compass that we invested in. And we told him, you know, this is to remind you of who you are and to show you which way to go. That's the purpose of a compass. You know, if you're not sure where you're at or if if you're going in the right direction, you pull out the compass, you open it up and it shows you, you know, where true north is. And with that information, you then decide your next steps that are going to take you where you ultimately want to be. Well, we are living in such a crazy time and in such a crazy world today. I think we all need a compass. We all need to be reminded of who we are and where we're headed. I mean, who we really are so that we can choose our next steps and they'll take us in the right direction. And this crazy world is full of some pretty crazy teachings that don't lead anywhere good, that lead us very, very far off the path. I just realized I have a compass on my iPhone. Sweet. And True North is not a, let's see, True North, True North. Oh, yeah, I see where True North is on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Slightly distracted. Can we focus? Well, this goes along with what you're saying, right? <laughs> it does. It is a compass. True so there north. Is, there is that. So here's some of the crazy teachings that we hear out there today. Follow your heart. I got to tell you, I think that's absolutely terrible advice. My heart is deceitful. I should not be following my heart. Then there's uh, just do it. Just do it. That's not good advice. It has sold a lot of shoes, however. (laughs) It has sold a lot of shoes. Or how about this one? You do you. Yeah. In our culture, we are so self-oriented. 
I think that this you do you one, this is really big right now because there's a lot of um, pressure to express yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, like almost like you owe it to the world to be your authentic self in every circumstance. It's very me focused what I want. It's like I am my own determiner of truth. It doesn't exist outside of me. It's inside of me. And, you know, my own truth determines what is good and what is bad. What is right and what is wrong? What's sin? What's not? And that's different from just, you know, be yourself and be comfortable in your own skin. It's different from that. Right. For sure. No, no. I'm talking about like you are your determiner of yeah. what is right and good. And there's no, you know, there's no truth existing outside of who you are. And what you feel. Yeah. And, you know, where this is leading us, this whole you do you orientation. I don't know. I look at our world today and I think... There's more divorce. There's more brokenness in families than there's been. There's more depression. There's more gender confusion. Suicide is on the rise. These are not where we want to land. This is not where we want to be. And and I think that you know, there are a lot more people who are enslaved to addiction today. And And I'm not just talking about like them out there. This isn't a point the finger moment. This is us. Yeah. We're all experiencing these really, really difficult, hard things. Do you struggle right now with knowing what God wants you to do? Is there a specific area in your life where you could use some divine counsel? Yep. You just need a compass. You need to know what north is. You need to reorient. You need to start taking steps in the right direction because I think we can easily drift and we need an anchor for our soul. We need a compass to be reminded of who we are, who we are really, so that we can know what to do. And Jesus is that. He's our North Star. He is unchanging. He's immovable. He is the truth that tells us who we are. We're God's beloved and shows us what to do in all of life's circumstances. So Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Maybe you're a silent struggler, a secret struggler, that you've got something in your life and it's really painful and no one else knows about it. And it's just, it's so heavy. Maybe you want to share about it. Or maybe you've decided, I'm never going to talk about this with anybody. I know, I know somebody like that in our family, and they've never talked about this thing since it happened. Not in my immediate family. This is extended, but maybe that's you. And I just want you to know that, that God sees you. God sees you right now, mm-hmm. and he knows you. And he loves you and he cares about what you're struggling with. I think that one of the most painful things in life is to feel completely alone in what you're going through. Do you know what I mean? To the whole idea that nobody knows my story. Nobody knows what I've been through. Nobody knows what I have done. Nobody knows what's been done to me. And there was a, just a real healing moment in my life where I was in prayer with someone and they had the wisdom, you know, I had offered up a, a, just a painful moment in my life. And they had the wisdom to say to me, um, you know, 
I want you to just kind of repicture what that event was like for you, you know, what, what the carpet looked like, what the walls looked like, you know, just kind of took me right back to that moment and then said, where's Jesus? And I was like, oh my goodness, he's right there. He's sitting, he's sitting crisscross applesauce in front of me. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is right there. Mm -hmm. So there is not a thing that we have gone through that we are entirely and completely alone. Jesus sees, he knows, he understands. He was there in in that moment. And there is such a, a freedom in knowing that we're not completely alone in that, that Jesus was there with us. Yeah, and because he was there and he knows about it, um, he's the one who can redeem it. He's the one that will redeem it. He's the one that will fix it. And, of course, we want him to fix it now and, we want him to fix it this side, but if you know and follow Jesus, everybody's, everything's going to be fixed on the other side. And the in the in the painful, horrible things, painful things, shameful things that have happened on this side, for the follower of Jesus, they get turned into beauty mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would really want you to be able to reach out to somebody, and to somebody you can trust and help. Have them help you bear that burden. That's something I'd really want for you, but maybe you're just thinking there's no way I can ever do that. So I'm just asking God to to give you the strength to do that. But for right now, you know, just for right now, for this moment, just know that God knows, God sees, he prompted us to share it with you, and you're going to make it. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. This is what Paul is getting at in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this earthly body, I live by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me on the cross. What does it look like that Christ lives through me? Is it even really possible? Florence Alshorn sailed from the UK to Uganda in 1920 with a passion to share Jesus with the young women of Uganda. <clears throat> she expected culture shock. She expected the blazing heat of Uganda to be hard. She was ready to live without the comforts of an English woman. But she wasn't ready for conflict with her roommate, who had also come to Uganda to share Jesus' love. Elizabeth, her roommate, barely welcomed Florence, and she made sure Florence understood that the house they shared would be divided down the middle. Florence was never to pass over to Elizabeth's side or touch her things. Strange. Yeah. Florence was really hurt, but she stuffed down her feelings and got busy teaching the young Ugandan women about Jesus. But the hurt wouldn't stay stuffed. Bitterness grew in her until it was consuming her. Florence decided to leave Uganda. One of her students came to Florence in tears. Everyone leaves us. You teach us that Jesus saves, but we haven't seen him save your relationship with Miss Elizabeth. It was the wake-up call Florence needed. She realized that everything she'd been teaching about Jesus was on the line. So... She decided to stay, but not just stay. 
she decided to camp out in 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, that's the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. Isn't proud. Isn't rude. Isn't easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. That love chapter. Mm -hmm. And then one morning, she noticed something. So she's, she's sitting with this every morning and praying. And she noticed, my heart doesn't hurt anymore. I'm not bitter. She felt compassion rising in her as she realized she could see into Elizabeth's heart. Elizabeth, she could see, was deeply lonely. Florence wasn't sure how to break through that barrier, so she started noticing the little things that Elizabeth liked. She gave her a book she knew Elizabeth would like. She bought Elizabeth's favorite vegetables and fruits at the market. And then it happened. <clears throat> Elizabeth's heart melted. The wall of loneliness in her heart, that wall of loneliness came down. And Florence and Elizabeth became true friends, kindred spirits even. Wow. I mean, the power of loving. So, you know, loving someone breaks down walls, but man, loving somebody who's got their wall up hard and strong and made it clear, this is my wall, don't cross me. That's so unnatural mm-hmm. for us. And, you know, this story just expresses the truth that Paul shares. And, you know, it expresses itself in a, this was a pretty dramatic thing, but it was a real life thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have these kind of struggles. We, we carry wounds. We carry bitterness. We're you know, hurt by somebody else. And, you know, this is the power of Christ can actually pour through us and help us love that person. This is the power of being crucified with Christ and having Jesus live in us and through us, you know, to love when we're unable to love. I think it's those unexpected places that kind of get us. You know, she was expecting that there was going to be pushback and culture shock and all of the things But she wasn't expecting her teammate to be her opposition, you know, for that to be the place of hardship and going into full-time missions. And I think it's, you know, those places that where we least expect it, where we're like, oh, man. But praise God for the student who called her out, Mm. right? The student who just said, everybody leaves. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing everybody left because of this difficult roommate that there had been a pattern that repeated time and time again. But love broke through. She was in the Word. She was praying, you know, just chewing on the Word. And the Holy Spirit did a work in her heart, and that enabled Christ to live through her. And and then she started making, this is where I think that we can activate the Christ who lives in us and His Spirit within us, is that we make those choices to love. You know, we, we pray through the bitterness, the hurt, the anger, the frustration. We pray through that with the Word. And then we start choosing to love. Mm -hmm. And behind the choice, behind the choice, like a catapult, is the spirit of Jesus. Yeah, I I totally believe that, you know, that that love breaks down all kinds of walls and that the key to Christ in us is surrender. The key to the catapult Mm. is just surrender. talk about what it means to live by faith. I think it means if Jesus said it, I believe it, it's done. 
I have a friend who believes really strongly in living in community. And I'm not talking about just like having a whole bunch of friends and around you, but I'm talking about entrusting your life to a small handful, maybe like three people that you keep nothing from. And when you need to make big life decisions, you consult those three people. And if all three of them agree, you do what the three of them say, even if it's radically different from what you're thinking or feeling. Let me give you an example. If there are two boxes in front of you and one box is the letter A and the second box is completely empty, if the three people in your life that you have absolute trust in and hand-selected to be the three most trustworthy people that you know, if they all say, Shauna, there is a B right in the center of the second box. Whether I see the B or not, I live my life as if there is a B in that box because I trust these people. And I know that they love me and they only want what's best for me. So I shape my whole life according to what these three people say is reality. This flies in the face of the, you know, I am the holder of my own truth way of living that is so popular today. I remember back in uh, college at Olivet College, uh, uh, I went to college with Jim Liskey, who's a familiar name in West Michigan, pastored at Rich Point Church and such. Wife, Kathy, we went to out of college together and I needed some advice and I, I can't remember. I don't even remember what the advice was that I needed. I don't remember the issue at all, but I just knew that if I went to Jim, hmm. he wasn't going to mince words right? and he was going to tell it to me straight. He wasn't going to be judgy, but he was just going to, he was going to boom, yeah, hit me with it. Yeah, we need people like that in our life. And I went and and he did and I I I'm quite sure I followed through on what he what he thought. Yeah. Well, Galatians 2:20 says, "I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me." So, let's talk about this living by faith part. Living by faith is believing what God says is true and living my life according to that truth, even when it is absolutely contrary to what I feel and what I want. It's entrusting your life to Jesus, not just for forever, but for today, for right now. So have you heard the story about the tightrope walker who walked across the Grand Canyon? Yeah. To Canada and back to the United States, basically. I've heard the uh, Niagara Falls version. Oh, yes. What did I say? You said Grand Canyon. Oh, no, not Grand Canyon. It was Niagara Falls. You have the accurate version. That I'm just making stuff up over here. Would be a long way. <laughs> that would be quite a walk. Okay, here's the deal. Imagine a tightrope stretched over a quarter of a mile, spanning the breadth of Niagara Falls, and the thundering sound of the pounding water is drowning out all the other sounds as you watch a man step onto a rope... And walk across it. Well, this was Charles Blondin is his name, and it was in the summer of 1859. He walked 160 feet above the falls several times back and forth between Canada and the United States. There were huge crowds on either side that were just like in shock and awe and cheering him on. He crossed once in a sack, once on stilts, another time Holy on cow. a bicycle. This really happened. Yeah, he really happened. He carried a stove and cooked an omelet while he crossed. What? I'm checking Snopes. Do it. On July 15, <laughs> he walked backward across the tightrope to Canada and he returned pushing a wheelbarrow. Okay, here's where the story gets really good. 
He builds a house on the tightrope. (laughs) This is, go ahead and snopes it, you know, do what you got to do. But here's the deal. It is said that he turned to the audience who had watched him cross back and forth just, you know, a bunch of times, right? Do you believe I can carry a person in the wheelbarrow? To which everybody cheered, yes, you can do it. I believe. To which Blondin responded, who will get in the wheelbarrow? And nobody Nobody did. Would you have? <laughs> no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but here's yeah. my point. You may have spent your entire life believing that Jesus is the way, that what he says in his word is right and true, that, that you trust him and you live your life by faith in him and that you will have abundant and free life if you do this. That is the way and the, that he is the way, the truth and the life. You you know, you might have like a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on the back of your car. I think we did away with those. Your Bible has a cover. It's got a dove on it. You know, <laughs> on one hand, you, you can count the number of times you've actually missed church on a Sunday morning. Jesus is saying to you this morning, get in. Hmm. And not cheering on the side, but like, if you really think it's all about me and you really think I know what's best for you, get in the wheelbarrow. That's what it is to live out Galatians 2.20. He is the with you God now. He is the one living out his life in you now. He's alive and he knows the way. Go ahead and get in. We talked a lot today about what it means to live by faith. You know, we've, we've been focusing on Galatians 2.20 this week and had a lot of conversations about, you know, being dead, dying with Christ and being alive in him, his life living through us. But today, so much of the, the focus was faith and it just has me thinking, you know, faith is honestly complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And to have complete, that really is the journey of, of following Jesus, right? It's like trust him more more today than you did yesterday. Mm-hmm. Trust him now in this circumstance. You know, the, our lives are always changing and there's always new things to trust him about and have faith in him for. And that really is it. It's just saying, okay, with the brand new circumstances of today and with this new thing and with where I am now, I trust you. Mm. I trust you for the outcomes. Yeah. And it's, it's not just belief. It's not just intellectually believing it. You know, I'm thinking of the, I don't know if this is the right phrase, the trust fall where somebody's behind you and you fall backward. Right. And that's trust. You trust mm-hmm. them to catch you. That's what you're getting at. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, we talked about the wheelbarrow, the the difference between believing that God can do something and actually putting your life in his hands to be able to do what God can do. Yeah. So my takeaway is that you shared this this story, the Charles Blondin story, the tightrope walker across Niagara Falls. And my takeaway is that it is true. Oh, did you Snopes check me? (laughs) It's a true story. Yeah. He actually did it back in 1897. Yeah. No, he was born in 1824 to 1897, and he crossed in... Okay, 59, I think, 1859. Okay. From memory, I'm right in front of me, but that's what I think it was. So that's my takeaway today is that you told a, not only a compelling story, not only a compelling story with a great word picture, but it's 
actually true. <laughs> you can trust me, Pear Dog. Where's your face? Yeah. Well, touche. Touche. Ow. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.